Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever the Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning, Birdland. I'm Mark Brown. It's not a very good morning, actually, here on October the 8th, 2023, with the Orioles facing a 1-0 deficit in their division series against the Texas Rangers. Here is my one-sentence summary of Game 1 of the series. People waving rally towels had more hits against my head than Orioles batters had against Rangers pitchers. If I might add a second sentence, the hardest hit by anyone wearing Orioles apparel during the game was the security guard who tackled the speedo-clad doofus who invaded the field during a pitching change. Okay, that's a little harsh on the Orioles' offense, considering Anthony Santander did hit a 420-foot home run, a solo shot that, at the time, cut a deficit uh, 3-2. to That was a hard-hit ball. There were a few others, really only a few, but there were not very many at all. There were not a shortage of games like this in the regular season, it seemed, where the Orioles, you know, they... They struggled when they were facing not exactly an ace-caliber pitcher. They had a frustrating loss for no apparent reason. A lot of their 61 losses were like that. In this case, the starting pitcher was Andrew Heaney. Actually, not all that bad. He finished the season with a 4.15 ERA, uh, a 107 ERA plus using the park and league average adjusted stat. That's 7% better than a league average pitcher, uh, league average starting pitcher, but I do think Heaney is the worst starting pitcher that the Orioles are likely to face over the course of this division series, however long it goes. And the fact is they didn't capitalize all that much. And, you know, I think that was in part by design of the Rangers who were able to put together for game one, something of a desperation patchwork pitching staff game. And unfortunately that played right into a big weakness of the Orioles, which I've, 
talked about on a, the preview for this series. They are not very good, even relative to the league, that is not very good. First time through the order when facing a starting pitcher. And the way the Rangers lined it up, they actually used two guys effectively from their rotation in the game. And so they got two sets of first time through the order advantages in the game since they also brought in Dane Dunning, who again started many games for the Rangers this season to face nearly the entire Orioles order once. So I don't think that was plan A for the Rangers going into the postseason. I don't even know that they felt great. They would have felt great about it, but that's what they were able to line up. And regrettably for Orioles fans, what the Rangers lined up, you know, it, it worked out pretty well. And uh, that sucks. I got to tell you, when I walked out of Camden Yards on Saturday afternoon, I was feeling gloomy about the Orioles, but not hopeless about them. And I mean, you know, if you want some consolation about the game one loss, it is this. The Orioles did not play a very good game, and they still only lost by one run. It's a futile offense, and it should get better, right? That is what I was thinking when I walked out of the stadium. And then it took an hour and a half to get from the parking lot to Interstate 95. And let me tell you, every bit of angst about what everyone was worrying about what would happen if an Orioles playoff game, once that was scheduled, and then the Billy Joel concert that was already scheduled, had to coexist on the same day. It was all warranted. The one hour, whatever, rain delay uh, before the game started, it caused a, a situation that was already fraying to just rip open into chaos. And being stuck in the middle of that series of events after the Orioles lost the game they lost uh, doesn't bring about a chipper move for recording a podcast, you know? So, like, without even getting into anything specific about challenges of the Orioles' offense generally or by specific Orioles hitters, the fact that the Orioles are in an 0-1 hole in a best-of-five series means that the probability is that they will lose the series. It's, it's more likely than not now they're going to lose. I think more specifically today, or excuse me, Saturday, that was the best pitching matchup they're going to get. Top of the rotation, Kyle Bradish versus essentially a bullpen game for the Rangers. Not totally, but it was, it was a patchwork. And Sunday, it's going to be Jordan Montgomery pitching for the Rangers, the better former Cardinals pitcher traded before the deadline. Now, you can at least be excited that he's going to be going up against Grayson Rodriguez. I am hopeful that Rodriguez will pitch better than Bradish did, or at least will get better results. Tuesday for Game 3, not announced yet. Likely, I think, to be Nathan Evaldi, who pitched pretty well against the Rays for the Rangers. And for the Orioles, and now that Game 3, it's either going to be the avoid a sweep game or avoid falling back into a hole after tying the series, if they should be so fortunate enough to win on Sunday and tie the series. That could be either... Dean Kramer, or Kyle Gibson. I would not be very excited uh, about either one of those guys. Unfortunately, John Means, not an option at all. Uh, It turns out, as you've probably heard, he was left off the series roster due to feeling elbow soreness after a sim game this week. So it turns out that that is why Means was not announced as the Game 2 starting pitcher to give him potentially the advantage of pitching at Camden Yards, he's not actually going to be able to pitch in the series. No, I do not expect everyone who came out with a hot take about how dumb the Orioles are to uh, 
then go ahead and take that back now that they know the full set of facts. Okay. And then we think about the offense. Maybe this is just what is left for them right now. That is a depressing thought, but it might be how it is. Cedric Mullins, you know, he went 0-3 in the first game of the series. He finished the month of September, plus the one game in October, with a 565 OPS after a 611 OPS in August. Yuck. Ryan O'Hearn, now 0 for his last 24 after striking out in his pinch hit appearance in game one of the division series. Puke emoji. Adam Frazier, who is also 0 for 3 in game one after entering very early in the game as a pinch hitter for Jordan Westberg as the Orioles immediately, as soon as the uh, left-handed starting pitcher was out, decided to lift Westberg the next time he batted. Okay, Frazier came in, 0 for 3 in the game, and he had a 566 OPS in August, 636 OPS in September. And then Austin Hayes, the game one leadoff hitter, since it was a left-handed starting pitcher, well, he had a 692 OPS in the month of September. So Jordan Montgomery, he's also a lefty. We might see similar starting lineups, similar pinch hitter usage for game two. People who had a poor game one, they're going to need to step up. And that was a lot of them. I mean, in a different version of our universe, very like ours, but with one thing different, Anthony Santander would have had a complete put-the-team-on-his-back kind of game in Game 1. He would have uh, capitalized on having men on first and second with nobody out and a one-run deficit in the eighth inning. And if he had, let's say, hit a three-run home run in that spot and then the Orioles won Game 1, it would be the Anthony Santander building his postseason legend game. But in our universe, Anthony Santander, well, he hit the double early in the game, scored a run thanks to being driven in by Ryan Mountcastle. Then he hit a solo home run later, also good. But again, when he faced that situation in the eighth, none out, men on first and second after back-to-back walks issued by Eraldis Chapman, Orioles trailing by one run, the tying run already on second base, nobody out, Santander grounded into a double play, pretty effectively snuffed out what could have been a crooked inning rally that would have done really for the Orioles in game one, kind of what they did in against uh, the Detroit Tigers back in 2014, when they blew that open against the bullpen in a late inning as well. And sometimes, you know, one person can only do so much. I will be right back after a message from a fans for a sports network sponsor. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. 
Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. So, yeah, while stuck in the traffic purgatory, as my wife was driving us out of the Camden Yards area, I had plenty of time to be scrolling the timeline on Twitter, reading takes from what to me are the usual suspects about how it was the fault of manager Brandon Hyde for overmanaging and blowing the game. Honestly, I feel this perspective is as misguided as it ever is and was frequently during the regular season. I don't really know what game those people were watching. I felt Kyle Bradish lifted starting pitcher Kyle Bradish in a situation, yes, he would not have done in the regular season, but in a short postseason series, I think it makes perfect sense to start playing platoon matchups in the fifth inning. It did not end up costing the Orioles any runs, I don't think, even if lefty reliever Danny Colomb did annoyingly walk the lefty he was brought in to face, that being young Rangers batter Evan Carter. Uh, in the sixth, Hyde played the platoon again when he brought in, I think, his lowest leverage single-inning reliever to face the Rangers' 7-8-9 batters with the platoon advantage against two of those three guys. But unfortunately, Jacob Webb did not prove up to the task. He gave up a solo home run to right-handed batter Josh Young. It does seem like maybe the Webb-Cinderella story will, uh, is heading towards being over. I don't know. That's a question for the offseason. I do think maybe if uh, Shintaro Fujinami had been at all interesting looking over the last couple of weeks of the season, he might have made the postseason roster instead of somebody like Webb, but that's the way it is. You know, Rangers manager Bruce Bochy, I think he was also pretty aggressive in playing to platoon splits. That especially was the case when looking at Gunnar Henderson. Bochy had the lefty Haney stay in the game long enough only to face Henderson two times. So he did get the one time through the order and then went another one through where Henderson was in the lineup. And then immediately when it was Henderson uh, batting, after Henderson batted the second time, he pulled uh, pulled Heaney and brought in righty Dane Dunning. And Dunning was in the game long enough to face every Oriole except for Henderson. Eight batters. And then as soon as Henderson was up again, Bochy brought in lefty Will Smith. Smith was bounced from the closer role by the Rangers over the course of this season. Not very good overall, but he was still death to left-handed batters. A 453 OPS allowed over the course of the season for Smith. So that's a doubly tough matchup for a young lefty batter, Henderson, who does have significant struggles against left-handed pitchers, which again, lefty batters in general are not good against lefty pitchers. That is the platoon advantage for pitchers that essentially makes baseball turn but most lefty batters are able to manage it a little bit better than Henderson at this point in his career has done 
So in the ninth inning, finally, Gunnar Henderson gets to face a right-handed batter, leading off the inning against the new Rangers closure, Jose LeClerc. And Henderson got the fifth hit or fifth Orioles hit of the game, put the tying run on base. And then he got thrown out trying to steal second base for um, reasons. All that Hyde said after the game was that it was a miscommunication. Now, that could mean there was supposed to be a hit and run and the batter, Aaron Hicks, missed the hit and run. It could mean that Henderson was not supposed to steal and then ended up stealing anyway. Uh, Either way, it seems like Hyde is covering for whoever made the mistake. I don't really know. Neither Hicks nor Henderson uh, accepted complete blame. And I don't know who was to blame. I don't really care. The play single-handedly took the Orioles from having a 33% chance to win the game down to 11%. And, you know, the result of that is just, it's what it was. It, uh, it wasn't good that it happened. I think if it was a hit and run, I don't understand why that was the time to do it. And I don't know. I don't, I, I, I wish he hadn't started running, but it's one of those things where you probably weren't terribly confident that the Orioles offense was going to get the job done after the way things had played up to that point anyway. So I don't know. I will say, I don't think we need to throw up our hands after game one of the series and just say, that's it. The season is over. It is true. The Orioles might well lose this series. In fact, like I said, I think it is very probable they will lose the series just by virtue of being a team in an 0-1 deficit in a best of five series. But it is not inevitable that that will happen. It is not fate. It is not destiny. Again, there is no fate. There is no destiny. There's only the baseball players and how well they play. And these Orioles, they are good enough, absolutely, to win three of their next four games, even against a good Texas Rangers team. Even as they lost on Saturday, the Orioles, they did hold the vaunted Rangers offense mostly in check. Orioles pitchers struck out 16 batters in the game. Had the Orioles cashed in either the eighth or ninth inning scoring opportunities, we would be telling, I think, a much different story of perseverance against an as-advertised Rangers bullpen. But, I mean, just like not terribly long ago when I attended the Adam Jones pregame ceremony retirement thing against the Rays and the Orioles had, it wasn't exactly the same, but it was pretty similar lifeless offense. Uh, They didn't give up quite as many runs here in the playoffs against the Rangers. But, you know, it doesn't matter how many fans you pack into the stadium. It doesn't matter how excited they are, how loud they're cheering, what kind of energy they're bringing. The team, they got to score the runs, and the pitchers got to keep the runs off the board, and all the energy in the world cannot make them do it. It's ultimately a foolish compact we make as sports fans, and an expensive foolish compact when we pay for playoff tickets. I mean, you know, did I even have fun? Okay, yes. Yes, I did have fun. But the fun, it does feel very far away right now. This is also true of the 101 regular season wins, which were also fun over the six months of the regular season. But... Losing sucks, and the Orioles lost, and that was not fun. So that is the most fresh memory for all of us about the Orioles right now. About all we can hope is that they wash that off very quickly by putting the taste of a win in our mouths by winning on Game 2 on Sunday. I mean, all through the regular season, you know, we saw plenty of times the Orioles dusted themselves off after an annoying loss and strung together some wins. 
We did also see some times where they didn't dust themselves off after an annoying loss, maybe had a second annoying loss, or even on very few occasions, a third. And of course, if that happens here, that's it. That's all she wrote. But I do think the Orioles haven't been swept streak illustrates their ability to dust themselves off as well as anything. They did not go on long losing streaks. They didn't get swept. But they need more than just not getting swept now. You know, they need winning three out of the next four, including at least one on the road. And they got to do this against the regular season's best offense from the American League. They're going to need to do more than they did against the Rangers bullpen on Saturday. And they're going to need to do more probably to get themselves into the Rangers bullpen for a second bout against them on Sunday because Jordan Montgomery in game one of the wildcard series against the Rays pitched seven innings. So if he goes seven innings again in game two, the Orioles probably going to lose that one too. And then, you know, then we really can probably start feeling like, okay, that's going to be all she wrote. But again, it's not predestined that they will lose. Nothing is written in stone. There is nothing unalterable about it. It can be altered. It can be changed. But If the Orioles don't show more than they did on Saturday, then that's what's going to happen. They're just going to roll towards some kind of disappointing loss. And, you know, it doesn't mean that the 2023 season is a failure if the Orioles lose this division series against the Rays. It doesn't mean it's a failure even if they get swept. But it isn't going to be a fun reality to sit with until the passage of time heals the wound of losing a little bit or, you know, until a near future Orioles team, hopefully as soon as next year, eclipses a postseason first-round loss. The mailbag is empty for today, but you can start to get your off-season thoughts in now at camdencastpod at gmail.com, or if you have any thoughts about whatever happens in Game 1 or Game 2 of the Division Series, we can talk about that in the next episode if anyone emails me in time. I will warn you again, Depressing topics that do not directly involve how the Orioles play in the division series will be deferred until after the Orioles are no longer playing postseason games. So I do want to thank you to everyone who has written in so far. Um, but yeah, if it's if it's depressing, but not about the series, we're going to wait to talk about it. And, you know, hopefully the Orioles play a game on Sunday that gives us something not depressing to talk about. That is all that I have got for today. If you are enjoying this show, please subscribe on your preferred podcast platform and tell an Orioles fan you know about the show. For as long as the Orioles remain in the postseason, I will be doing an episode the next day after each game. So I will be back with you on Monday morning. Hopefully, again, we will be talking at that time about the Orioles having even the series at one game apiece. But after the postseason, I don't know yet, so... I hope for at least three more shows with you before I've really got to start thinking about what this is going to look like over the fall and winter months. Good Morning Birdland is a Camden Cast production on the Fans First Sports Network. Until next time, go O's.